on the nothing's working <laughs> so uh here in isaiah chapter number 11 if you're just joining us on the internet welcome um but uh we uh we see here this prophecy written written by uh, the prophet isaiah um that's talking about jesus christ and um <clears throat> i had a i had a I found this note that I had in Revelation with the church we're going to be studying tonight that referred back to Isaiah chapter number 11 here. And then I come to Isaiah chapter number 11 and I see where I've picked up on this before. So that's it's always kind of, that's why you write in your Bible. <clears throat> I mean, it's neat to underline, bar things and make little scribbly notes and, and kind of remind yourself that, oh, maybe I've, maybe I've seen that before because... You'll you'll be surprised how much stuff you forget, how much stuff you run across. And you is anybody else like that, or is that just me? Is anybody else forgetful? I get I get in trouble a lot, <laughs> and my wife will say, "You're too young to be for." I don't know what I'll be like when I get old timers, <clears throat> but uh, uh, so the interesting part about this is, and I I don't remember what my line of thought was here, but I I have here in verse number one, I have vine plus branches equals lampstand. And I think if you go back to, uh, to the, um, the tabernacle when God was giving them description on how to make these lampstands, if you remember, there were some uh, knobs and, and branches and um, basically when he gave them the description of how to make the lampstand, the golden lampstand there that was in the tabernacle. And of course, if you remember way back a couple years ago when we studied that, uh, that was the light, the only light that was in the, the holy place, not the most holy place, but the holy place. The most holy place didn't have any light. <clears throat> but the holy place is where this lampstand um, dwelled, and they trimmed the lamps and put oil in it and everything the priest did. And uh, so uh, if you take that study with this here in Isaiah, we, seen, we see these vines and branches equal this lampstand. And then, um, of course, this is obviously talking about Jesus Christ being a stem out of Jesse, a branch um, shall grow its root or uh, shall grow out of his roots. And then, an, another interesting side subject of that is if you look at Romans chapter number eleven, um, when the Apostle Paul is talking about the Jews not being high-minded, um, because he said, "You say unto yourself, you have your father Abraham." Well, this is the stump, and us Gentiles are grafted into that stump. So as you see, kind of when you read this verse number one, there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. It, it almost kind of brings to mind for me anyway, this like um, your family tree. Have you ever seen a family tree? What is it if you're from Kentucky, you got a family pole? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, Luke. Pickles aren't here, so I guess you're our only Kentuckian tonight. <laughs> um, but it kind of reminds you of that. And if we look at the nation of Israel, that line, because God told them not to marry outside any other nations. So their, their family lineage is, it's not a pole, <laughs> but it's narrow. And then us Gentiles were grafted in onto that stump. And uh, I, I just talking this morning with... Uh, I owe, you, I owe you about 15 minutes tonight. I told Liston, I said, I owe you 15 minutes. <laughs> 20? Okay, 20. 20, I owe you 20 minutes tonight. <laughs> they, I felt, they, I saw them walk. Yeah, had to wait, man. 
but I, they well, they got the wrong time off of the wrong website, and they they came here, and I saw them coming up steps. We were about to wind down. And I thought, oh man, dr drag the whole family to church, and you get there, and they're done. So I owe you a little bit. <laughs> uh, Liston turned me off when I started talking about Fords anyway. So, <clears throat> but <laughs> where was I going with that? Um, somewhere that that brought it to mind. Um, but but us, oh, we're talking about replacement because uh, uh, there's a heres, her, heretical teaching out there called replacement theology that us, the New Testament church, has replaced Israel. And that was, uh, that was one of her questions. I said, no, we do not, we do not teach that here. Um, the church is separate from the nation of Israel. They, God still has a plan for them, but right now he's dealing with the Gentiles in this dispensation. So we talked a little bit about that. And I, I like... I like doctrinal questions like that. That shows me that someone's concerned, you know, interested in what a church teaches. But us as Gentiles, we've been grafted in, and gosh, where has Christianity gone from that? Everywhere, just like a big branch. So that kind of draws that to mind. Here we've got this uh, rod of Jesse, and then Jesus Christ coming out of that, and then boom, it's just spread out like a big branch. So um, kind of interesting that the same... Um, picture that is drawn from that family tree equals the same vine and, and uh, you know, what Jesus say, I'm, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. So we get that same um, picture in the lampstand there in the, uh, uh, the tabernacle. And then look at verse number two, and I find this also interesting. And then off to the side here, I have three pairs plus one. Because we're looking of the Spirit of the Lord that's resting upon Jesus Christ. And remember at John's baptism, um, the Spirit uh, landed on him as a, as a dove. But we see that he gained more than that. So there's our one, the Spirit of the Lord. There's one. And now he's going to break this up into three pairs. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. There's one pair. The Spirit of counsel and might. There's two pair. The spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord, there's our, there's our third pair. So we have three pairs plus one equals what? Wow. Three pairs plus one. Yeah, thank you, Liston. <laughs> He's with us. Three pairs plus one. Uh, just weird counting, but I mean, that's three pairs plus one. You get it? <laughs> Four? Three pairs? All right, there's 30, there's, 30, there's 30 cows, 28 chickens. How many didn't? <laughs> All right, yes. <laughs> seven. So there's seven, seven spirits we're talking about here. And this is, uh, this is the spirit of the Lord that was given to Jesus. Spirit of the Lord, there's one. Spirit of wisdom, two. Understanding, three. Counsel, might, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. So we have seven spirits there. Why did we cover that? Well, let's go to Revelation chapter number three, and it'll hopefully make sense. I got to hurry. I owe a list in 20 minutes. And he's helping me with my math, like seven. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's speed this thing up. <laughs> Revelation chapter three, verse number one. Same, same account as we've looked at with the other, I think we've all, uh, Rita's not been here through all of them, but um, we have the Apostle Paul. Uh, on the Isle of Patmos, and the uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is giving him these things. 
uh, to write to these seven churches, and it's almost like John doesn't want there to be any confusion of where these are coming from because as he's addressed every letter of these churches, he's made it clear who it is in verse number 1. And unto the angel of the church of Sardis write these things, saith he that hath, oh here it is, seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, and thou hast the name which thou livest and art dead. So it's almost like a, an introduction of who's saying this. And there again, it's, it's no mystery, it's no second guess or anything. Who's telling John to write this? It's Jesus Christ. And that's uh, here, in the, here in the side note, I've got Isaiah 11 too. So it's telling us that Jesus Christ is, is the he that has these seven spirits. And um, that's actually mentioned, uh, that, that was referred to in um, the first letter that we looked at. And it, it'll also be referred to uh, in Revelation chapter 4, um, again, when it's talking about these uh, uh, seven spirits. So we'll, it, it kind of refers again in the book of Revelation, but... You can't look, read, study, listen to the book of Revelation without that number seven just popping up all over. And um, that's just, that's God's number. It's the number of completion. Um, it's the number of perfection. So we see here the complete spirit of God with Jesus Christ um, in heaven. Verse number two is where we uh, kind of dig into this church. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain and are ready to die. Um... Uh, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. So just like in all these other um, uh, introductions to the letter, what does he always say? I know thy works, and I know where they're at. I know thy tr troubles, and I know, I know thy works. And here it says, I know thy works, and they're not perfect before God. Ooh, that's kind of... Um, Hmm, that would be an interesting letter to get in the mail, especially when it's coming directly from Jesus Christ, he that knows everything, and he's getting ready to basically upbraid this church, and it's not going to be a good thing. Uh, verse number 3, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. <clears throat> if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know the hour which I Come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, <clears throat> and, um, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So he, he, he begins to go on. I feel like I've skipped a verse. Did I skip a verse? Why do I feel like I skipped a verse? Cody's trying to hurry me up, too. <laughs> <clears throat> be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die for I have not I know works for, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent okay maybe I, maybe I read it I just didn't click with me <clears throat> so he's, he's telling this church to basically what he told the church there at uh, Thyatira is to uh, remember remember um, Ephesus write these things saith the old yeah, he's telling them to remember. Hey, remember remember what you used to be. Remember where you were before you were saved. Remember, remember how it used to was. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting that night because, uh, you know, I've been saved for not forever but a long time. And maybe some of you have, and we just don't have that testimony of, man, I was a drug addict. I was a this, that, and the other. And, 
And um, it seemed like always <clears throat> when I was a kid, you'd hear those those evangelists or missionaries or whatever come to church, and they just always had that. I was in prison, and you know they've always got those real flowing, glowing testimonies. And and I, I don't know, I just kind of always thought like, huh, I just a I just got a boring testimony. Like, yep, I got saved. <laughs> Until I until I was at a men's devotion one time, and a guy said, he said, you know, I don't have a real flowing testimony. He said, I wasn't in prison, and I'm like, yeah, I can relate to that. He said, but you know, he said, when, when I got saved, he said, it was just as big a miracle as a guy that was in prison. I thought, well, that's true. You know, Jesus, God did something for me I couldn't do for myself. That's a That's a pretty big miracle. So if you don't have this great big flowing, like, yeah, I didn't really have a real good. You do, <laughs> you you do you, you know we you I can't say we because I drug myself through a pit once or twice, but you just didn't go through the pit like the rest of us, you know. So, don't ever take your testimony as like lightly, like, you know. But for the rest of us that have been through the pit, remember what that's like. Remember the conviction that's involved there. Remember the shame that you have because of that. And that's what he's getting at with this uh, uh, church here at Sardis. He's saying, hey, remember therefore how thou had received, heard, <clears throat> how thou had received and heard, and then he puts an and there, and hold fast and repent. Now remember, he's not just talking to one individual. He's talking to the, the, whole, the church as a whole. And I think sometimes preachers like myself, we kind of get comfortable in church like, Oh, this is just, this is a regular crowd. I've noticed that with myself. Well, this is a regular crowd. We don't have any visitors in here on Sunday morning. And, you know, this is just regular people. Everybody in here is saved. Well, I don't know that. I don't know that. Sometimes I have to remind myself the only person I'm sure in this room that's saved is me. The rest of you could, may not be. You know, I have to kind of remind myself that, that, you know, just because you're regular church people doesn't mean that, you know, you, you may not struggle with your salvation or that you're not a false professor. You know, I, I, I don't hit on that whole, a whole lot, but I've, I remember the story of a preacher saying that he was, uh, they were having an invitation and, you know, he, they were having an altar call and a piano was playing and stuff. And he said, all of a sudden, the piano quit playing. And he was thought, well, that's weird. Like, when it happens here, we don't think anything of it. The computer's down. <laughs> but the piano quit playing, and he said he looked over, and the, like the, the lady playing the piano got up, started walking down the steps, and he thought, hmm, must have made her mad. Well, she gets down at the altar and gets saved. She'd been going to church there longer than he had, you know, and here she was convicted and gets saved in the piano player. That's something when the piano player gets saved in church, isn't it? So I think we have to always keep that in mind, like, and that's what Jesus is telling his church. He's talking to more than just one person. He says, uh, remember what you've heard and hold fast and repent, because if thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know the hour which I come upon thee. And, and to me, that's kind of talking to these maybe uh people that have made a false profession, and I'm not saying that that's always intentional. You know, sometimes, yeah, go ahead, Keith. I was just about to say, or people who think that God has a death judgment. Yeah, ex that, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's, there are people that I've talked to door knocking, and they, oh, I'll get I'll get right with the Lord. Well, I know people that have not woke up from their sleep. 
you know, I, I know I've heard of people having aneurysms driving down the road in their car. That's like the sorriest plan I've ever heard of. You know, if anybody's ever been in a car wreck, you know how fast things change and how bad they could go. I mean, that is, but you're right. Some people, you know, <clears throat> yeah, I'll just, I'll do it later. And you know, this sound, I've thought about this before, and this sounds stupid, and you may not agree with it, but what is it, don't laugh too hard, <laughs> but what is it that Yosemite Sam always says to Bugs Bunny? You guys know, surely you know. Say your prayers, rabbit. <laughs> Say your prayers, rabbit. <laughs> it's it's silly, but that's basically what Yosemite Sam's getting across. Like, hey, time's up. Say your prayers. I can't believe you guys didn't know that. Does nobody watch? Didn't didn't? They're not on anymore. <laughs> they're too violent, and there's too much prayer in them. <clears throat> but that's what Yosemite Sam. Wasn't it Yosemite Sam? Was that was that Elmer Fudd? He'd stuttered too much. I think it was Yosemite Sam. Say your prayers, rabbit. What what's he doing? Like, hey, you're gonna die. You're getting ready to meet your maker. Get straightened up. Now's the time. It sounds silly, but we've I thought we had a couple generations that had been taught that from cartoons. But you guys are apparently more spiritual than that. <laughs> but no, that that's what some people think. Well, I'll just get right right before I go, and I'll put it off till then. And and a lot of what that is 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 I don't want, I don't, I've got still some sin I want to play with, is, is really what that is. I, I would rather enjoy sin for a season than get right, get right with God. So, um, yeah, that's basically what that is. So we see here that um, he says, receive and heard and hold fast and repent, and therefore thou shalt not watch. So he's, he's talking to the people that aren't really watching aren't really expecting Jesus Christ to come back. That's this deathbed profession thing. They're not watching for Jesus Christ to come back. They, they've got all their, their chips on them, like getting cancer and dying a slow death. Or they've got all their chips on, you know, whatever it is, dying at sea, and they've got months to live. I don't, I don't know what it is, what they're planning on. But they don't take for granted, you know, they take for granted that they're not watching for Jesus Christ, that he could come back. Does anybody else get, whenever you hear a preacher do that, like now, they, that video flashes before my face. That, um, but they're, they're expecting, have you seen that video? Really? Uh, we, if our computer wasn't so messing up, I think it's back there. Our preacher says, Jesus could come back at any whack, and then everybody's gone except for a couple of people in the church house. It's kind of one of them, like, shaking videos. Um, but... But you're, what are you doing? You're not watching for Jesus Christ to come back. That's not even in the forethought of your mind. Nah, they've been, they've been saying that for years. And I think this week there's supposed to be another end of the earth something happening. Is it this week? Did we miss it again? <laughs> ah, I can't keep track of all this. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Getting uh, called out for, you know. Uh, yeah. Just perversion. perversion yeah. Type behavior and how shocked everybody is about, you know, Dustin Hoffman or whoever, you know. And, and I, what I think about is how shocked everybody is going to be on the day of judgment. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if you're worried, you know, people need to be thinking, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think I, I, I'm, I'm along the lines with you, but some there might be some people that be like shocked that somebody's still here. <laughs> like what? Joel Steen's here? I thought shouldn't he be with the rest of them? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean that's that's what we're talking about. There 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 are false profess professors that aren't watching for Jesus Christ to come back. They that's not in that's not in their mind. They're just they're playing church, and I. I there again, it's bad for me to judge and say, but I think this is a major problem in the United States. This probably goes on way more than we even think about or realize. Just like we read this morning, if the righteous are scarcely saved, how, what about the sinners, you know? So, I mean, that kind of makes us think. There was somebody estimated one time or took a poll and... It might have been Billy Graham, I think, maybe, that, that estimated that 80% of people in churches are lost. Anybody remember that that poll that was taken? Something like that. And, man, that is a sickening, sad statistic, if that's the truth. Like, wow, you know, what, what are they doing? <clears throat> and we'll get to that again here in a second, if I remember. I feel like I'm all out of sorts. I'm trying to hurry up and give listeners 20 minutes back. <clears throat> Verse number four um, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which not have defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So he's, 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 again, he's not throwing a blanket over the whole church. He said, there's a few of you. You know, there's, there's a lot of lost people in this church, but there's a few of you that, that aren't. There's a few people that are saved. And, of course, we know that white garment represents that. Verse number 5, we get a promise here. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Now, this is kind of one of those verses of contention. And you, you kind of have to, and here's the contention with it. Um, the, 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 uh, the lady this morning asked if we were more Arminian or Calvinistic in doctrine, and I said, neither. <laughs> and, and what Arminian doctrine teaches is that you can lose your salvation. Your name can be blotted out of... Now, this is where it gets interesting, because how many books are in heaven? This is, this is an interesting study, all of its, of its own. How many books are in heaven? If you look at Revelation 22, 22, it said, and behold, I saw, I'm so bad at quoting verses, behold, I saw him and the books were open and another book was open. have to do a lot of editing on this uh, video tonight, Cody, to take out all the... <laughs> My mind's just not with it. Anybody find it yet? Twenty-two, twelve. Yeah, keep going. I can't find it yet. 
Yeah. So, m more than one book, right? We have the book of life and the Lamb's book of life. <clears throat> now, remember Moses when he was out with the, with the nation of Israel out in the wilderness and God said, I'm going to wipe them all off and I'm going to start with you, Moses, and we're just going to start a whole new nation. Let's do that. And Moses begged God. He said, no, I, I pray you that my name be blotted out of the book of life. So that's apparently possible. Your name can be blotted out of the book of life, right? But that's not the Lamb's book of life. Two different books, and, and, and are mentioned uh, elsewhere in Scripture too, but we have the book of life, and then we have the Lamb's book of life. Well, the Bible's not real clear on what that is, and remember our saying, if we can't, if the Scripture's not, what is it? Refrain from dogmatism when there is room for reasonable dissent and careful and courteous is the path of the devout Christian student. <laughs> Here's my take on that. The Lamb's Book of Life, I have no doubt what the Lamb's Book of Life is. When you are saved, when you are born again, your name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. And whatever pencils used to write that doesn't have an eraser. Doesn't have an eraser. But when you're born... From the womb, this fleshly, bodily born, I believe your name's written down in that book. And then when you die, I think that pencil has an eraser. So it's almost like an inventory book, the way I see it. Because Moses wasn't necessarily begging God for him to take his name out of the Lamb's Book of Life. Do you, you, you know what if happens if your name's not in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? <clears throat> Hell, for eternity. I don't think Moses would ask for that. I don't think anybody in their right mind would ask for that. But he was basically telling God, just take me out, snuff me out. Take, block my name out of the book of life. And we see that here when he's talking to this church here at Sardis. He said, hey, if you don't straighten up, I will blot your name out of the book of life. What's he saying? I'll take you out. I'll snuff you out. I'll, I'll take your life from you. I'll, I'll shorten your life. Because, you know, if, if we don't see the coming of Jesus Christ, all of our names are going to be blotted out of the book of life. Um, it's just dependent on when that is, and no, no man knows. But if uh, God's almost like, say your prayers, rabbit, you're, you're getting ready to snuff your name out of the book of life. So uh, that's, that's how I see that, because the Lamb's book of life, that is a promise that doesn't have anything to do, just like we talk about all the time. It doesn't have anything to do with my behavior, my works, my, my, my overcoming. Uh, but what sometimes does is my life expectancy here on this earth and my, my longevity here on this earth. If we obey, if we obey our, prom, our parents, what are we promised? A longer life because, because of that. So, um, man, my kids. Ooh. <laughs> but uh, so that's, that's the way I see that, and that's kind of a contentious, and I even did this this afternoon, just pulled up... Uh, a Google, what's, uh, what, does, uh, what verse is that, five? What's verse five mean? And it'll take you all kinds of articles that'll talk about, uh, um, what's that big one that you uh, got answers or something? Is that the big, the big one, I think, that always pops up, I think? Anyway, uh, it, it says, well, this is talking about, you know, losing your salvation, basically. Like, what? Where? I, I don't get that anywhere else through Scripture. So how can someone, just because it is the book of life, but it's not the Lamb's book of life. So, you know, I, I, we're talking about different books, and I think there's more than two books. There's the books of, 
of your works. <clears throat> and uh, remember, he's telling them, each one of these churches, that I know thy works. Look over here in this book, and hey, I see your works. Uh, I see your life here. I don't know what that looks like if it says 2007, October, or no, this is November, isn't it? Is this November? Man, this is November. I don't know if it's got that date on it, and you know that's somewhere on that timeline. I, I'm not sure exactly what that is, but uh, what I know from the pattern of Scripture and the promise of Scripture that my name can't be blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life. But when I lay this old flesh down someday, it'll be blotted out of the Book of Life. Um, you know, just like Moses was was talking about and asking about there. So it's kind of one of those contentious verses, I guess. Um, that we that we need to be aware of. Um, da, da, da. Verse number six. <clears throat> Just like the rest of these, he's basically begging this church. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So uh, there again, he's he's begging these people to listen. A uh, little bit of location. We know the. Do we have that map? Is that real buried, real deep? As we go on our mail route here through Asia, and we'll speed this up, we'll get listening out of here right on time, uh, we see that uh, it's in close vicinity to all these other churches. Um, but not only that, but the, the unique thing, and each one of these cities kind of has a unique thing about them um, historically, and, and we'll get into, we'll come right back around and we'll get kind of a quick prophetic view. We're not going to spend seven more weeks on each one of these churches on the prophecy of them. Um, but one of the Interesting things that will tie into that is that the town of Sardis <clears throat> was very wealthy. Very wealthy. <clears throat> um, as we can see, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, and now we're here at Sardis. And uh, gosh, just two, just two more left. <laughs> just two more left. Um, but the interesting thing about this Sardis was um, it was alleged that there was a stream that ran through the center of town and this stream started in one of the mountains and it was so like basically uh, rich in gold and silver ore that you could pan in the street in the town and pan for gold so like 1849ers before 1849ers and the interesting thing about the gold in this area is that it's mingled with silver so Prior to this time that we're reading about here, um, you know, gold is value. You think, gosh, it's gold mixed with silver. That's some really good stuff, but not so much because it's not pure gold and it's not pure silver. It's kind of mingled together, so its value is unknown. How much silver is it? How much gold is it? Because, you know, even today we value gold on its purity. In this town of Sardis, they came up with a way to separate those two ores. So once they uh, procreated this procedure to do that, they became one of the first towns to coin actual coins. And if you had a coin from Sardis, you had something, just like, just, just like our government now. They're the only ones with the power to mint and coin, and they have the power. So we see that even here in Asia with Sardis, as that was kind of their thing. And going along with that, just like all these other towns, this is, this is kind of like the, um, <clears throat> the financial and educational hub of the world at this time when we're looking at these churches. This is, this is perfect planning on God's part that he has put 
these churches here in these spots with all these trade routes going through, just like we talked about last week. One aspect that's good because you can get the gospel out, but on another aspect of that, you've got all this stuff coming into the churches, and uh, we have that here too. We have people that um, are just going to church to be the church or whatever those things are. They're <clears throat> um, here, I did skip over it. Verse number one. I know thy works in thy name that thou livest and are dead. That was, that was what Jesus said about this church. That must be why I was off. I was trying to scramble around thinking, did I miss something? <clears throat> thou livest and art dead. So inside this church, and, and I've... I, I've heard so many messages preached on the church at Sardis that thou livest and are dead. I've got a preacher friend of mine, and he, he's got a great message on this, basically on, what's his called? His are a coroner's report of a dead church. I think that's the name of his message. And uh, he, if I remember right, he brought a doll up on the pulpit, and he's stabbing it and poking it in the eye and stuff like that. And, and basically, People that are dead, they don't see. People that are dead, they don't hear. People that are dead, they don't feel. And, and they're just pretty common message preached on dead churches. And, of course, you know, Baptists, we're kind of known for this. <laughs> just sitting and listening. <laughs> if, if, we went to a, if we all went to a Pentecostal church tonight, we'd say, whoa, they got something going on, wouldn't, wouldn't you think? You'd walk into a Pentecostal church and you'd be like, they ain't dead in there. That's what we think. But just because we're attentive and just because we're calm and just because we're not, woohoo, doesn't mean you're dead. What makes you dead is not being saved. That's what makes you dead. You know, we can be just calm and cool as cucumbers as we are in here. And I say this is the laid back church and I don't have a problem with that. I I think sometimes just being laid back and attentive is okay. It's when you fall asleep and stuff like that. Just kidding, Liston. <laughs> and Cody. <laughs> Cody's back there in the back. He thinks he can get away with it, but he can't. Some of you saw it that one. Let's look at verse number seven, Cody. Verse, verse number seven, Cody. Oh, <laughs> sleeping <laughs> um, but we we think of just calm and laid back and not woohoo is is a dead church that's not a dead church a dead church is where the people are lost and they're not getting the gospel they're not being fed they're just going through the motions they're singing the songs they're all about praise and worship and then they get a 10 minute sermonette and they don't they leave the same way they came not changed that's a dead church that's what we're looking at here in sardis he said, thou hast a name that thou livest, but they're dead. They're, they're full of, of false professors at this church. So it's not that their music's horrible. <laughs> Anybody notice our music's horrible around here? <laughs> ah, we, we need to start praying for that, I, I think. Because uh, I think we're all kind of, are we all kind of hymnal, old-fashioned kind of people, piano playing like acapella singers? I think, I think we like that. Do we like that? You know it would probably help? <laughs> this will probably never happen. But if your preacher got up here and sang one Sunday, it might help. It really might. Some of you would be like, I can do way better than that. <laughs> and it's just a pride thing. It, that's all it is. Vera, I'd love for you to get up here and sing for us sometime. Would you do that? 
we might, we might have a name, but they're all dead inside now. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I went to that church a couple of weeks ago, and and they just said, "Hey, want Sam? You want to sing for us?" And like Sam would, I don't really have anything. And Sam went digging through his purse. It was a lady. <laughs> she got a paper out and she got up behind the pulpit and she just sang a cappella. And I thought, this is great. Why don't we do this? Maybe because the preacher don't. I don't know. But but us singing. And having a hoorah time doesn't make us alive. It doesn't, it doesn't make us dead or alive. It, it just, in the world's eye, you know, we've probably had visitors come here and they've probably thought, hmm, they sing that canned music and nobody, nobody sings out loud. They don't have any hymnals in there. Mm-mm, not going back. And then we've probably had people that say, they sing those old songs and they don't sing them 10 times over and over and over and over and over and over like you're supposed to. <laughs> How are you going to conjure in the Holy Spirit if you don't sing those seven songs 11 times? <laughs> or where's the rock man? They, don't ha- they didn't have the first laser and smoke in there. No drums, no anything. Like You can't have church with all that stuff. Do you think this church at Sardis had... No, that's a bad example. Do you think the church at... Uh, Philadelphia that we're going to look at next week, they probably didn't have that. They probably didn't have a piano and drums and guitars and all that stuff. I doubt it. I'm sure they sang. I'm sure they probably didn't have a monitor screen to sing from. So do I wish we sang a little different? Yeah, I do. And is it probably me? Probably. I think, how many specials have we had sung in here Four, four, three years. Mark. Jesse sang for us one morning. That's about it. Yeah, when we had Harmon and Crawford. <laughs> we had a, we had a music guy that was, huh? Yeah, we yeah we had a, a ladies group come in and sing for us on Mother's Day once. We might see if they'll do that again this year. That'd be neat, wouldn't it? Um, we had a music guy that he he moved to uh, Virginia. Uh, he taught music at college. He he is actually composing the music for I forget his name. The Hopper. What's the Hopper's dad? The Hoppers. I know the Hoppers. We don't have any Southern gospel fans in here. The dad, he is the music, he's the music minister at a church somewhere in Georgia or something. So he has hired Jason Crawford to put the music together for their Sunday morning and Sunday night worship. That guy, we had that guy here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, don't anybody tell him, I'm, I don't want to puff him up, and I don't want him to hear this. Um, but he, we had a piano, well, the, we had a piano up here. And the, our first month of church on Sunday nights, we'd get done teaching and we'd get all the kids and we all kind of sang Christmas uh, carols on Sunday night with a piano. And I thought, this is going to be great. And then they moved and here we are. <laughs> now we don't even have a piano. Vera said, we could really use that piano. I said, we already got one. Nobody wants to learn how to play it. You don't, either one of you know how to play piano? Whoa, we have a piano. Really? You know how to play the piano? Oh. Well, 
Yeah, okay. You could learn. <laughs> Apparently that's in your family genes in there somewhere. <clears throat> Avery is taking guitar lessons at school, so we'll see how that goes. Somebody else said, oh, your ears are uh, by, uh, fiddle lessons, right? Yeah. Fiddle lessons. They're taking fiddle lessons. So maybe that'll go somewhere. How do we get off on that? We burn up five minutes of listening time. <clears throat> but thou livest and are dead. So just because we don't have a hoorah time, I think we have fun here. You think we have fun? Yeah, I think we have fun. I think that's part of being alive. You know, we may not like have a big knockdown <laughs> fake Pentecostal fit. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> uh, but sometimes that's what some of that stuff is, is, is a lot of just show. I, I would rather have true, real stuff than a put-on show that doesn't mean it's necessarily alive. It could be dead. So, <laughs> same preacher friend of mine said, dead things well. <laughs> so, uh, there you go. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the church at Sardis is a little bit, uh, not really any good thing said except for the, a few, a, a few people. Hey, there's a few of you, and, and to you, you'll have a crown of white and... Um, but the rest of the bunch, that's a bad bunch. But everybody thought they were the church to go to. They, you know, this is different than uh, Thyatira where you were threatened with life and limb. Now Sardis is kind of a more up-and-coming place and not as pagan-enriched as Thyatira. But um, so, so maybe this church was known or maybe this church was known in this circle and group of churches. You know, like, whoa, that church has really got something. But... Jesus basically said, nope, it's just put on show. It, they're, everybody thinks they're alive, but they're, they're a dead church. And I would rather go to a laid-back church than a dead church any day of the week. So just because we don't put on a big hoop raw. Has anybody been to some crazy church service? I've been to a Baptist my whole life. I've never been to a Pentecostal church, but I've seen some Baptists get a little wound up every once in a while, like walk running across some pews and stuff and... I don't think you'll ever see me run across pews. I mean, it might happen. I don't say it won't, but maybe we'll get excited one day. But, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I did, uh-huh. Yeah, I wouldn't want to run across these, yeah. I did see a, I, I did see a video, <laughs> a video of a Pentecostal church one time, and the guy was actually videoing one of the kids. Like, he had one of the kids here, and he was videoing what was going on in the background. And he was like, look at this kid. This kid's just sleeping. The kid's like sleeping like this. And in the background, they were going nuts. They were jumping on pews and whacking each other on the forehead. And I mean, they were just having a holy roller time, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I do know that a, the, a girl that babysat, gosh, I think it was just Avery, maybe Wyatt. Um, we tried for the longest time to get her to go to church with us. And she finally said, I'm never going to church again. I'm like, okay, you got to tell me now what happened. And um, she she told us about a time that a friend of hers got her to go to church with her, and it was a Pentecostal church. And, um, you know, they gave, has anybody ever been to, I don't want to pick on the Pentecostals or our neighbors over here, but anybody been to a Pentecostal church service? Are they really that wild? Really? I, and a, a guy gave me a CD one time. He's like, man, this is the most powerful preaching you'll ever hear. And I, so I left left his office and I stuck it in my truck and it was like 10 minutes of preaching that was 
all right, and then just music for like 45 minutes. And, and I was talking to somebody, they said, yeah, it's pretty typical of a Pentecostal church service. So, but anyway, she, they, they had the message and then the invitation, and her friend grabbed her, took her down front, like yanked her down front. And she said everybody was spilling out of the seats and going down front. And she said, and they basically scared her to death. And she started crying. And the more she cried, the more they, like, just all up in her face. And she said, never again. So that's about the firsthand experience I've, I've had with that. But, you know, you think of that and you're like, wow, that church isn't dead. But are they? We don't know. They don't know. You know, only Jesus Christ knows. So pomp and show and smoke and dancing around and falling down and all that stuff, that doesn't necessarily mean that a church is alive. Uh, yeah. And that's true, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, Yeah, and, and that's true too. You know, just like Lady and I was talking about this morning, she said there's so many different kinds of Baptist. I said, "Yep," and everybody else is the same boat. There's Heinz 57s of Pentecostals and Heinz 57s of Baptists and everything. But you know, but I I've heard that preached more than once, do, <laughs> dozens of times that this church at Sardis was dead because because they didn't have because they weren't excited. And I don't think that's the case. But I do think he has a good message. A dead church, they won't see. That, that's a good point. They won't hear. That, that's a good, I might save that. I might borrow that sometime. Bring a doll up here and start stabbing it and poking it around. No. <laughs> but they won't feel. They won't see. They won't hear. They won't feel. They won't cry out. I think that was another, you know, that's a good message. So, all right. Anybody got anything to add?